Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. This is the College Podcast along with Jim Shoder and Michael and Anna. I'm John Manuel. Bearing some uh, technical difficulties here. We hope you bear with us. We're brought to you by Slugger Nation. That's Louisville Slugger. They're on Instagram and Twitter at Slugger Nation. And check their fine products out, and they've done a great job sponsoring our college coverage all the 2015 season. And, guys, uh, this is probably the most tumultuous top 25 rankings of the year. And most of the action to me this week was that was, uh, was at the bottom. But I think we should, uh, we should start at the top where we have a new number one team. And you know, we're kind of at this midway point in the season, a lot of midseason awards going around, all those kind of things. But you look at the, you know, the, I guess that has to be the number one story of the college baseball season really is Texas A&M guys. And, you know, Jim, you saw him in person. I think, Mike, you haven't seen him in person, but I know you've seen him on, on the tube. Yeah. And it's amazing. This team is 33-3. and three. And I don't care what level you're playing or who you're playing or how you're doing it. Three losses in 36 games is amazing. And, Jim, I'm just, uh, if you guys both want to just, you know, touch on, What's been most impressive to you for A&M as they go on the uh, you know, go home this weekend? And it wasn't an easy series, but they beat you know a struggling Mississippi State team two out of three, and uh, you know eleven and two I guess it is or ten and two in the SEC. This this team's just they're eleven and three, yeah. Eleven and three. And it's just a, it's an incredible run really by this A&M team to 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 just keep on being so consistently good and to find so many different ways to win. Yeah, I think for for me, what stood out is you know we've kind of which I've kind of harped on a couple times. These uh, kind of keep waiting for these injuries to their pitching staff with uh, Minter and Stubblefield being out. You kind of keep waiting for that to catch up to them, but it it just doesn't. I mean, they can they can hit up and down that lineup. They've been getting you know quality starts from Matt Kent, Turner, Larkins. I mean, they just they just keep on they just keep on rolling, and nothing's you know they haven't run into anybody yet that can outlast them in a, a full three game series. Mike, yeah. what stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the pitching staff, the injuries on the pitching staff, the fact that they're able to, to pitch around that, as, as Jim was talking about, I think that's been huge for them and surprising in some ways. Um, a pleasant surprise, obviously. And, and then you, you look at the lineup, and there's a lot of depth in that lineup, a lot of power and balance up and down. I mean, and you look at Nick Banks, I mean, his numbers are, are ridiculous so far this year, batting 417, slugging for, uh, 591. Um, you know, it, it's just a very, very complete team. And, uh, you know, I, I think 33-3, and three, I mean, that says everything that, that needs to be said about them. Yeah, the th- I guess the things that stand out to me is we talked, you know, Jim, I think you've hit on an important point that they had these injuries in the pitching staff, so they did need other people to, to step forward for them. And it's hard to find another team that has bullpen numbers like they have. And, like, Ryan Hendricks, I remember him from the draft – you know, he was the 17th round pick of the Indians. Um, you know the fact that he he had six strikeouts and four scoreless in one of the games this weekend. So you know he's I knew that he was a talent coming into the year. He was on our he was on my radar coming in, but they just don't give up any runs in their bullpen. Just the the numbers 
are ridiculous. And, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if, uh, if there's any other team that's comparable to having a quartet or a quintet, really, of relievers like Hendricks, Simons, uh, Ty Schlotman, uh, Ecker. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling to see a team that, if you don't get them early, you just don't get them. Their bullpen just doesn't give up anything. And misses, I mean... Mississippi State did get them early in that uh, that one. I mean, they got nine hits off Matt Kent in the uh, I guess it was the Sunday game, and they still. I mean, just in that case, they just got bludgeoned there by A and M's offense. But I mean, it's just tough to put it all together enough and to actually win a game right now against them. Yeah, Hendricks, I guess pitched six scoreless over the whole weekend, um, and it just it, it just it's hard to see this team kind of keeping it up. And now they've moved Simons into the starting role this weekend. We'll see how that. Uh, if they maintain that, and uh, this team now, I guess the next step, obviously, for A&M is keeping it up. Now that you're number one, you know, it, baseball, the, the grind doesn't stop. And they're home against Arkansas this weekend, but in two weeks, uh, they will play at LSU. And three of their last four series in the league are, are on the road in Southeastern Conference play. I don't know if you guys think anything's going to you know, trip this team up. They have to go to LSU, to Tennessee. And two Ole Miss, I mean, again, when you're that complete of a team, as I think we all agree they are, um, it's hard to see them being tripped up. But, I mean, at some point, uh, most teams don't stay on a 33-3 and pace. Uh, I don't know, do you, Mike, do you have a – do you think there's any danger for this A&M team? They might look ahead past Arkansas to look ahead to that LSU series. I have to think it's going to be tempting because so much looks to be on the line in that series. Right. I mean, there, I'm sure there is that temptation there. Um, you know, I, I don't think they will. I, I think, I think they'll be fine this weekend. I mean, Arkansas, you can't overlook them either. They've been playing well. I think they'll give Texas A&M a run for their money. Um, you know, but I do think, I do think that LSU series is very important for this division. And I think, um, you could even, you could even say that the winner of that series has a very good shot of going on to win that, uh, the SEC West. Um, you know, and they're playing at, at Baton Rouge. So it's going to be, uh, it's gonna be very loud. It's gonna be, uh, you know, obviously the the SEC kind of environment that that uh, we come to expect out of those stadiums. So, you know, it's it, it, there's a lot riding on that series, and you know, but I don't I don't think Texas A and M is gonna look ahead of of Arkansas. The other, the other thing I want to touch on with A and M guys is, uh, you know, they've, when you look at their stats, they're just I mean, the non conference schedule was soft, and we've talked about that this year. So their non their overall numbers are kind of mind-boggling 42 home runs the opponents have seven <laughs> you know that's kind of crazy but in the sec um and they've only hit 12 home runs in those uh in those games in those league games i guess these stats on sec website are only updated through saturday not through sunday um but they haven't you know that they do they lead the league in hitting but not in scoring not by a, a wide margin really in runs um they do lead the league in era I don't know if, uh, if you know, I guess if you're you're ranking them offensively in the league, I guess it's kind of again it's hard to to, to measure. I think LSU has the best offense in the SEC. If Vanderbilt though leads the league in scoring, I don't know if you guys think that they which which aspect of A&M's team impresses you more. I mean I know we're talking about the balance, but is it the offense? Is it the is it the pitching or is it the, the kind of the experienced infield they've had? I know they've had some trouble defensively at third base. If you if you want to nitpick. Um, which, which stands out more for you guys? Which side of the ball, I guess, would you say that is is the the stronger suit for the Aggies? I mean, I feel like on paper, anyway, I think it does. Well, probably the bullpen, really. But I mean, um, I would say, I mean, the offense 
even if it is, I haven't lit it up as much in conference play. It kind of reminds me of uh, UCLA in the, the same kind of vein. But, uh, I mean, it's just so deep, and they have so many veteran guys and a lot of physical guys. I mean, I think they can – that's kind of what – I don't, I don't, I'm not too worried about them looking past anybody, even past Arkansas. Um, they're just they're they just seem like they're very they're a very blue collar veteran that kind of, just that kind of team. Don't they don't seem likely to to fall prey to that kind of thing. So uh, that's kind of I think I'll, I'll say that just the overall depth in that uh, that lineup, aside from the the bullpen, I guess. Yeah, I, guess I think the fact. Go ahead. I think Mike. the fact that we have debate that we have to debate which side of the ball they're better at says a lot about the quality of that team you know I think the fact that we, we can't de- decide if it's the bullpen or the the, the weekend rotation or the lineup is, is better I think says a lot about just where they are right now I mean it's it's just a very very imposing team that's a good way to put it and uh you know it's, it's neat just to see uh, first from the guys that I've seen on that team to have seen Nick Banks last summer with the college national team and were that you know, he kind of jumped out among the underclassmen on that team. And then to see him uh, kind of carry that over this year where he's been quite good in the league, he's been outstanding overall. He um, seems like he's a pretty good quote. I saw one of the quotes this weekend where he said, uh, and we didn't like the fact that we lost that game and that Mississippi State had to play perfect to beat us. Um, so I kind of, he's got, he seems like he's got some talent. He's got some swagger. Uh, not a bad guy to be one of your best players, probably your best player, but that, that's a, that is a fascinating team. And it's amazing to see 33 and three uh, real quick guys. The rest of the top of the, the, the rankings did change quite a bit. And we had some internal debate over what to do after A&M, A&M one, LSU two, UCLA and Louisville. And uh, Mike, I know well, actually both of you guys, I know both saw some of Louisville this weekend up close and in person. Um, sounds like Mike, you were a little bit less impressed with the Cardinals. Um, especially offensively, and there's good reason to not have been impressed. They scored one run apiece in the first two games of that series against Duke. Um, so I guess it was really more a matter of us rewarding UCLA for winning a top-10 showdown with USC than it was kind of that we didn't move Louisville up more than one spot. Is that kind of how you, you how you viewed the top of the rankings? Yeah, yeah, I mean – I, I'm not knocking Louisville at all. I mean, I think they're I think they're an excellent team, and I think we did reward them by bumping them up a spot. You know, they, they are our, our number four team in the country. But you know, I have seen both teams this year, and I, I think you look at UCLA's resume. You know, other than the Dodger Town Classic, which was against three very good teams that that they lost. I mean, they really haven't done anything wrong so far this year, and, and they're a team that has scored a lot, that has excelled on both sides of the ball. I mean, you you look at you look at their lineup. They've been able to hit, you know, Kevin Kramer at the top of that group. You look at their their weekend rotation. You know that that's solid with Caprillion and uh, Grant Watson, a veteran arm, and then Griffin Cannon coming in as a freshman and throwing great. And then you look at the the back end of the bullpen. You got you got Berg, and he you know, he might be one of the best you know collegiate closers of all time. So, you know, it, it, it's it's I just look at UCLA and I think it's more a credit to them than it is a knock on Louisville. I, I just think it's, it's UCLA is a very, very good team. And uh, I, I was a little concerned watching Louisville and watching them offensively this weekend. You, know, you wonder if it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a trap game for them, you know, coming off of a, a weekend series against Virginia and playing Duke, which Duke is a, is a good team, but it's not one of the upper echelon teams in the ACC. So you wonder if any of that came into play. I mean, Andrew Isler did pitch very well. You have to give him some credit too, but um you know, I, I, I like both teams a lot. I, for me, I just like UCLA's resume and just what they do on, on paper slightly more, very slightly. 
I, I, I think you won me over kind of in the in the meeting about that. And I think I was leaning Louisville beforehand, but I I think you make a lot of sense about, about UCLA. It's really it's a dime's worth of difference at this point, and who knows what happens from now on from here on in. It does look, Jim, I know you're kind of our bracketologist, if I may use that term. Um, but it does look like UCLA and Arizona State uh, both have been so consistent at the top of the Pac-12, have a lot of, con- uh, have a lot of quality wins. Neither of these teams is that they're falling by the wayside anytime soon. It's, it's rare to see a Pac-12 team with an RPI so high like UCLA's is right now at three. I think that, that series win in Orlando against North Carolina really, really is helping UCLA's uh, – RPI, mm-hmm. and the fact they keep winning freaking games. But Arizona State now at 17 in the RPI, and the fact they, they won the, you know, they had all the rivalry showdowns in the Pac-12 this weekend. They, they won two out of three against Arizona. Um, it seems like Arizona State's playing its way into, for sure, being a top eight, uh, not a top eight, but being a regional host um, as long as they keep taking care of business. Not just And, and then they have a chance to play their way into being a top eight national seed. It really seems like those are the only two Pac-12 teams, though, right now that are sure of anything. USC, I mean, that's a serious loss. Isn't a, a huge, a terrible hit for USC, but certainly seems like it gives yeah. it a little edge to the to the uh, Sun Devils for now in that race of being that second uh, host out of the Pac-12. Uh, what, what's your take on, on the on the Sun Devils, and like, what does USC have to do to kind of play its way back into maybe being a, a regional host? Well, I would still, I think, I haven't, I haven't done the uh, bracket for this week. I'll probably uh, get going on that tomorrow. But, uh, I mean, that, the good news for SC is they still, um, they still get to play Arizona State at home, um, in, at Dado Field. So that, that's at the end of the regular, the last game of the, or last series of the season, rather. So that'll, right. that'll be while everyone else is uh, in conference tournaments. So that's kind of be their, that'll kind of be their conference tournament, their last chance to make an impression. But, uh, I mean, yeah, ASU's just been really consistent. I mean, they haven't they haven't slipped up at all. They had that one, you know, you lose a series at home to TCU, and that's the worst thing you've done. So that's that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you just look what they've done. I mean, obviously they they kind of, I mean, they haven't, you know, they, other than taking two out of three from Oregon State, they haven't played the uh, the cream of the Pac-12 props so far. They played, let's see, the Oregon State. U of A this week, and then they get UW this upcoming week. Um, then obviously, then it does get pretty heavy. The last three of their last four four series are Cal, UCLA, and then the Trojans to end the year. So that'll kind of be their uh, you know their chance to make a statement. And I mean, yeah, right now, I mean, I definitely, will, well, I definitely love UCLA as a national seed. I think I'll probably still have all three of those teams as hosts for regionals. I would expect um, just owing on what you see, what you see, USC has done and just this whole body of work. Um, yeah, I misread. I just misread uh, USC. By the way, I, I their RPI was. I wrote. I wrote it down here. My prep thought it was forty-five. It's fifteen. So, so even my yeah. question was based on a false premise. So, we, <laughs> you know, there there is that uh, problem. And the other thing I I did write down is, you know, that that series drew pretty well as well. So, uh, USC. Yeah, because like- yeah, USC they they could both potentially host in this. I mean, it's obviously the city of LA is. Ellie's got plenty of fans if you, you know, t- potentially to come out there. Um, the fact that they've drawn well for college baseball this this season, both at Dodger Town and then this weekend series, where you had 2,500 on Saturday night, 1,800 on, on Friday and Sunday, seems to augur well, actually, for, for USC. And I know uh, ASU had had great crowds as well this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of 
the thing that kind of sticks out to me just in the with the Trojans, I watched a couple of those games. The, the uh, you know they kind of had this. You know, the start of the we can't say that you know they have to prove they they need to win big games. They've done that with what they did at Dodger Town, but I mean now it's kind of you know back then they were the team that was playing you know free and easy. They were the under they had nothing to lose. Now they're they kind of had this shift within within a season where they're a favorite. Now usually you see that like from one season to the next, but they kind of you know changed their their paradigm if I can say that to uh, within basically within a season, which you don't like you don't really see that much now. You're kind of watching that Friday game. I mean they're going against UCLA, a team that's Led by a lot of guys that have been in a lot of big games, and Berg and Caprillion, uh, Kramer, all those guys. They've all they've all been there, done that. And you know, for the Trojans, it was all kind of new. And uh, I felt like that kind of felt like that kind of came out a little bit in that series. Yeah, I mean, uh, James Caprillion winning that opener. He pitched in Omaha. Great, so. David Berg, Grant Watson, all those guys have a lot of. There's a lot of Omaha experience still on that on that UCLA team, and there's no regional experience with the Trojans. So it is a I think mean, that makes sense. That's a, that's a very plausible argument, and obviously, uh, you know, big series win for the Bruins. Uh, the other series, the Pac-12, real quick, that stuck out to me. I don't know if you guys, uh, if it stuck out to you guys at all, but Oregon State losing two of three to Oregon. You know, it looks like Oregon season maybe too far gone to save necessarily. Their RPI is up at 115. They're four and eight in the league, but uh, but that, that was a kind of a, a chance for the Beavers. Who've been on the cusp of the rankings all year uh, to kind of break in? This was this was the week, guys. If you wanted to get into the top twenty-five, <laughs> this was the week. And Oregon State still kind of hasn't been able to take advantage of things. Uh, you know, Twenty-three and eleven overall. Feels like it's still a regional team, but you're still kind of waiting to for something to hang your hat on. Uh, if you're Oregon State, they lost on the road at Arizona State, lost two out of three to to UCLA. They they haven't really played. I guess they've lost three straight series now, so it's just not. Uh, it feels like a team that's on the cusp, but they haven't quite broken through. Um, kind of like it feels like you know, the teams that we saw here locally, North Carolina and NC State this weekend. It feels like Oregon State's not that different from uh, its long ago protagonist, uh, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, they they've kind of, you know, they kind of one of the things that when I talked to Pat Casey a little while ago, you know, early in the season, he kind of pointed out how they're. It kind of got. They didn't really catch any breaks with their schedule, where they get all the other good teams on the road. And um, I mean, that, but they, other than they do get USC at home in two weeks, so that's kind of if you're looking for something to hang your hat on. That's really their kind of their last best chance if they can win that series. But I mean, they'll be they're probably going to be right on the right on the bubble. Yeah, that's where it looks like. I think they are on the bubble for now, guys. Uh, well, let's let's switch to the to the bottom of the rankings again. Like I said, this was a. Would have been a great week if your Oregon State to have, to have broken in. A lot of teams had their chance. We bounced Rice all the way from 14 to out. Uh, felt like Rice. It just feels like Conference USA is a one team in the top 25 league at this point. And we decided that team needs to be Florida Atlantic, and I wholeheartedly endorsed that move. Um, Virginia, the Cavaliers, uh, more like Cadavaliers at this time. They're just... <laughs> It's it's really ugly, and it's it's startling to see Virginia um, not be able to adjust, but also it's startling to see that they aren't pitching guys. And um, yeah. that, that that's the part. I mean, when you have all that youth, I get it. You know, I, I understand that they're going to need to uh, you, you, you need to be patient with a team like that offensively. But I, I kind of thought their pitching would would pick them up, and it just hasn't. 
I mean, UVA's just really been, and it was just a brutal week for them, uh, with the opening up uh, the week on Monday, getting swept, uh, finishing the sweep at the hands of Louisville. And you think maybe they're getting their offense going with the back-to-back games where they put 14 up against James Madison and Georgia Tech. And then you know, Georgia Tech's pitching is no great shakes. And with a chance to win a series on the road, UVA comes up short two games in a row. And Connor Jones gets hammered on Saturday. Guys, that, that team, I feel like Virginia's in trouble of a regional bid. Am I overreacting on that? I, I feel like Virginia's... No. I don't. I, th- where, where are the wins going to come from for this team, Mike? I, I don't know. I mean, they have it's, it's not going to get any easier for them because they have Miami coming up this weekend, um, and, and then they still have they're still playing NC State. They're still playing UNC. Um, they're playing Duke, and you can't you can't laugh at Duke. I mean, Duke can beat you. So, you know, I, I don't know where the wins are going to come from. I think they need to they need to start. I need to start this weekend against Miami. I think, and uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like this team. You know, I feel like maybe pitching wise, maybe some of it's mental. You know, knowing that their offense may not score a lot for them, maybe they're putting a little more pressure on themselves. You know, who knows? You know, maybe they're waiting on uh, Joe, Joe McCarthy to come back, hoping he saves the day. And you know, who who knows? You know, by the time he comes back, if he does come back, you know, it might be too late for them. So I think the concerns are real. I mean, for me, it's looking more and more like it's it's a rebuilding year for them more than anything. It just looks like it's it's the, the kind of year because you look at the depth that they have and most of their team, the majority of their team are, you know, are freshmen. Right. And they don't have a lot of depth and they're very thin. And I think they have talented freshmen. I think they're well positioned for the future, but I just, I don't know if they can make it happen this year. I think they're expecting a, a pretty quick progression from their freshmen. And I don't know. I don't think that they're getting it. I mean, and, uh, you know, it, it certainly doesn't help when you have, you know, your weekend starters, you know, getting beat up guys that you were going to rely on all year. Yeah, they're seven and eleven in the league in the, in the Atlantic Coast Conference right now. They and would not be in the ACC tournament right now. I'm and that's sure. it. That's what I was just going over today. They're out of the conference tournament right now. That's not a good look to try to impress the uh, committee. And it's to get back into the league tournament. They're going to have to beat a couple teams that are ahead of them on the road. And North, they're going to have to win series. It looks like at NC State and at North Carolina on the road, and those are doable. I'll tell you, I, I'm, you know, uh, at the risk of uh, incurring the Homer chance, and I did the North Carolina NC State series this weekend, so I've seen a lot of both those teams recently. North Carolina, y- you better get them now, because if that team, uh, Wood Myers was in uniform this weekend, and you look at North Carolina's uh, lineup, and you, the, really the one thing that you kind of jumps out is they aren't getting any offense out of the middle infield with. Uh, yeah, and, and Wood Myers is a middle infielder. So if you get Wood Myers back, you're getting your best hitter uh, before he got hurt. And he's been a, when he's been healthy, he's been a good college hitter. The last two years, he's been banged up a lot. But um, he's a good offensive player. And their other big problem is the bullpen. Well, Riley Hovis is, you know, has thrown bullpens. I've talked to the catcher. I talked to one of the. I talked to Corey Dunbar. He hasn't caught him himself, but he's seen it with his own eyes that. Riley Hovis is throwing bullpens and uh, is supposed to be close to coming back from his UCL strain. Th- those two players would really fix two of North Carolina's biggest ills, and that and that team's uh, you know, schedule really opens up down the stretch. Uh, I think North Carolina has played the toughest part of its schedule. We put the Tar Heels in our uh, top 25 this weekend. It doesn't mean that it's a cakewalk for them. They've got to go on the road twice to Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. They've got BC at home. They've got UVA at home. Um, 
it feels like North Carolina, especially as they get into regionals, if Hovis and Wood Myers are both back guys, that feels like a dangerous team because Gallon's good. Bukowskis was not at his best this weekend and was still good enough. Uh, Trent Thornton is streaky, but uh, clearly has a lot of big game experience. Trevor Kelly's been outstanding out of their bullpen. That that seems like a dangerous team to me, um, especially if they can address those two holes with those two players. It does feel like they have the most kind of upward momentum of all the uh, kind of these this murky middle of the ACC right now. I mean, kind of thought Wake Forest might be that team. They've kind of taken a big step back these last two weeks and. Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame speaks Florida State, but they just got done getting swept themselves by Virginia and Louisville, so they're kind of a, a they're kind of a pinball team right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Carolina, they does, I guess we had them ranked in the preseason, so they do, we know they have talent, and they have, you know, they, it does feel like they're kind of, they, even in those series they lost, like the, the Miami series, I mean, they, they outplayed Miami for most of that series. They just kind of, their bullpen let them down. But um, maybe the Clemson series lost is a bit of a head-scratcher, but, other than that, I mean, they, they feel like they've got the most uh, the most positive momentum. Yeah, that's how, that's how I feel, Mike. I don't know you you saw the Tar Heels a lot lately. What what would you do? Do you think they'd have a chance to? Do they do they still seem like the team that has the highest ceiling of that muddled middle of the ACC? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I I, I liked UNC's team since I mean before the season started. I mean, I think I think of those teams of those teams in the middle of the ACC, I think they do have the most upside, and I think. You hit the nail on the head as far as getting Wood Myers back and, and Riley Hovis if he comes back. I, I think that would be a big shot in the arm for them. Um, you know, I, I look at I, I look at the rotation. I think Zach Gallon has really taken a huge step forward this year. I mean, you know, pitching the, the the nine inning complete game, just zero earned runs, one unearned run in that game against State, and he pitched excellent against Miami as well, which is as we all know a very high powered offense. And JB Bukowskis has the stuff to be to be an ace, to be a Friday starter. And you know you can't sneeze at Ben Moss either, though he's the last couple outings haven't been great for him. He has experience as well, and uh, you know can can step up in big games. So I, I like their rotation. I I, I do think um, that they do need uh, you know a little more consistency in the lineup. I, I think Sky Bolt might be heating up a little bit now. I think Tyler Ramirez might be heating up a little bit as well. He went through a really tough stretch there for a while where he was struggling. But the key for them for sure is, is their bullpen. And if they can find another guy besides Trevor Kelly who can who can actually throw some innings and I'm not sure they need get some else, actually. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like <laughs> you know, I, I don't know uh, how much longer his arm can last. I mean, he's got a lot of mileage on it this year. 45 45 and two-thirds innings, 26 appearances, and, uh, you know, 36 games, which, you know, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. But, uh, you know, who knows how long he could pitch Saturday night um, if that game kept going in extra innings. Um, I, I was ta- I asked Mike Fox about it, and he said, well, you know, good thing is I don't have to answer that. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, but right now Trevor Kelly is East Coast David Berg. I mean, he's not as accomplished as David Berg. But the low slot everyday kind of guy—that's that's who he's become right now. And, uh, and obviously, we have to give Notre Dame its due. I mean, they swept Florida State, pretty amazing. Um, I'm still trying to find out if, if Zach Katsoulis, their first baseman, if he's Greek or if he's uh, Lithuanian. That's a question for another show. Um, if Zach's listening or any Notre Dame players are, hit me up on Twitter at John Manuel BA. I've got a question for Zach. Um, but this is a team, guys, that. Right now, it seems like Notre Dame's kind of doing it with its bullpen as well. Um, you, know, you look up and down Notre Dame's roster. There's some famous names there with Biggio and Lidge. 
um, you know, uh, who have relatives with you know, big league names. But uh, to me, no, the only th- nothing really jumps off the page. I look at the numbers, or I look at the reports on on Notre Dame. Um, what does stand out is uh, of late they found some answers in their bullpen. They've pitched well, and they're really competing. It's kind of like uh, it's what Mick Aoki's better teams at Boston College did, and uh, it's a pretty big turnaround for a team that was pretty. Uh, I'm going to use. I can't believe I'm going to use a Josh Norris word here. They were pretty oinky last year, and. <laughs> <laughs> they've been they've been much more competitive this year. Even when they were getting swept in some of those series, they still seem, still seem like they they were competitive against Louisville. And uh, I, I know that Notre Dame did not expect to sweep Florida State this weekend, but when they had a chance to do it, they finished off a series sweep. I, I was pretty impressed with that. I don't know if you guys had any takeaway from that series for either team, for the Irish or for the Seminoles. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Notre Dame's pitching is kind of the take the takeaway. I mean, it's something kind of. Sounds like that's their strength. I mean, obviously they do have, obviously they've got Biggio. They do have some guys you can, you know, to get excited about in the offense. But it more sounds like it's more they're they're more of a uh, pitching team, and you know, and also sweeping Florida State. I mean, that's I it doesn't happen often, if ever. Um, probably once every few years that they get swept in a conference series. So, I mean, certainly Notre Dame's been been strong in the RPI all year, kind of because they played so many road games, but. Uh, so, I mean, they're kind of, we had them in regionals and out when they get swept twice in a row. They're three and nine, but, uh, now they're back to 500. So they'll probably be, uh, they'll probably be back on the good side again. Yeah. And they only, they only had uh, five walks all weekend against Florida State. So that's two weekends in a row that Florida State, you know, which two weeks ago was leading the country in walks by a wide margin. I just remember doing my prep for the NC State series. Uh, that, no, you know, Florida State had a, a 427. Um, average, uh, I mean, on base percentage as a team, which was just crazy uh, to think about having that high of a of an on, of on base percentage as a, as a team. And you know, the last two weekends, you know, they they were able to survive it against uh, NC State. It didn't. They still won a couple of games uh, in that series, despite uh, their the fact that they didn't walk a lot. That NC State really attacked them. Um, their, their pitchers threw a lot of strikes. But, you know, they don't lead the country in, in, in uh, on-base percentage anymore, far from it. And they're all the way down at 10. Their OBP has dropped 25 spots, uh, 25 points in the last two weeks. So it seems like that, that reports out, you know, make make them beat you in the strike zone. And outside of DJ Stewart, there's really not a bat in that Florida State lineup that really scares you. Sansone and, and Delph, you know, uh, those guys are solid. Kneeport and Mark Insini are okay, but Mark Insini especially really hasn't. This guy hit double-digit home runs the last couple of years at Duke, and really hasn't hit for much power at all for Florida State. I get, I'm, my takeaway is I'm a little bit concerned for Florida State that the last two weekends uh, their offense has really fallen off, and uh, you know th- this series sweep is not gonna like you said. It doesn't. I guess it doesn't crush them in RPI because Notre Dame's RPI has been so good, but. Uh, the schedule does soften up a little bit for them, but they uh, in the next week or so. But they do have to go to Miami later, and to Louisville. Um, I'm not sure that that is a recipe for Florida State being a top eight national seed. I think they, I think that's kind of out the out the window now, Jim, isn't it? After they pretty much, yeah, yeah they definitely be. Uh, they, um, Louisville and Miami are definitely solidly ahead of them right now for the ACC. I mean, yeah, I mean if they can if they can come back and if they can win that Miami series, then maybe only you know, can. We can revisit it with them, but for now, I mean, it's 
it's FSU. I mean, uh, it's Miami or Louisville or you know or bust for the ACC as far as getting national seeds. Well, we did not rank the uh, despite the sweep. We did not rank the Fighting Irish this week. We did rank North Carolina. We brought them in at number twenty-three. We also brought in College of Charleston and uh, say hello again to Texas Tech. Tumultuous week in the Big Twelve, guys. As we we re-rank the Red Raiders uh, in the same week, I believe that we had the Tech Hecklers as our uh, fan base of the week. If you have a nomination for the fan base of the week, by the way, uh, bother Jim on Twitter. He's at Jim Schoner BA. Um, uh, what what we we considered so many other teams, guys. We considered University of San Diego. Uh, we considered UNC Wilmington. Uh, Nevada, boy, great week to, to go lose two out of three at Fresno State, Nevada. You know, uh, Nevada yes. hadn't lost a series all all year. They won eight straight, and the one week that it really opens up for them, they they go and lose on the road. Um, Oklahoma wins a series on the road at Texas, but not a good look to rank a team when you lose twenty four to two in midweek, as they did to their rivals Oklahoma State. Just quite a muddle there, guys. I guess UC Irvine was kind of the other team we talked about ranking, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nebraska. Uh, what what stood out for you guys? Uh, what stood out for us on bringing in College of Charleston and the Tech, uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders? Uh, for CFC, they've just been they've been so consistent. I mean, they haven't lost. They lost that series to South Carolina to start the year, which is obviously is a huge knock on them now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've been obviously they've been really consistent. I think they've won they've won all four of their league series. I think they've won like five series in a row overall. They've got. Obviously, they've got a, a stud at the top of their rotation in, in Taylor Clark, and they've you know they've weathered the injury to Bailey Ober really well. So I mean that's just been a very uh, very, very consistent team all year. And um, for the Red Raiders, I mean, you know, they they get they sweep Baylor, which you should sweep Baylor. So they're kind of you know they're back in the tie for third in the uh, Big Twelve. So it's kind of you know kind of I mean obviously I do like their talent still. I still believe in what they can. But they're I still think they would be a dangerous. Uh, like a dangerous two seed if, if they're in your regional, but um, yeah, I mean it's more just kind of. I mean they've got talent. And they kind of maybe they're starting to put it together. We'll see if they can uh, see if they can sustain it a little bit. In the Big Twelve, I think we all thought this would be a little bit stronger league than it has been. I think we thought that there was a very uh, very strong top four in this league, and said you you know you really don't have that. <laughs> you really have Oklahoma State and TCU. It's been, it's been two. And, you know, TCU lost a series this weekend. They're certainly allowed. They're allowed a stumble here or there. But, I mean, the alarm bells have to be sounding in Austin. They're, uh, you know, they're 4-9 and nine against the top 50. Uh, they're barely above 500 overall. Texas Tech, like you said, is kind of you – know, their RPI is not that hot. Oklahoma's RPI is not that hot. Jim, I mean, you know, is this a – how many bids is this league looking at? And should we start talking about West Virginia, I suppose, is one of these – once again, Randy Mazie doing a really nice job. He's not just a guy who rails about the weather. He actually knows how to coach baseball. Um, and this team, uh, you know, they, they, they're they one of these other teams, Jim, that plays a lot on the road, won a yeah, series at Clemson to start the year, and that's it. That's helping their RPI, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, right now, West Virginia, they have zero top 50 wins, so that's kind of a problem. But oh. um I mean, maybe if Clemson gets back in the top 50, well, that's, they're not exactly close right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of looking at their – I mean, they still – the thing with West Virginia is that their last three series are TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. So, I mean, if they finish strong, they would get in for sure. But, I mean, it's you, – you, you put kind of bet against that right now. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Big 12, it's, it's a mess. All these power conferences are a mess, really. 
Um, they really are. They, but, they are. Uh, You're right. That, that these all these power conferences are extremely top heavy, and that seems to be the the power conference this year. We've talked about it all year on the podcast, guys. The funnest conference to follow is the Big Ten. I mean, yes, it is. That league is really that's a fun league, and I, I, have, that, that must have been why I wanted to, bring to find Nebraska. good teams and middle teams and bottom teams. I, I'm I'm Ugh. taking credit for that's why I wanted to bring Nebraska into the rankings this week. Why why did we not bring them into the rankings? What was the pro? I guess because big because Nebraska when they played other good teams this year they really haven't won those games. <laughs> that seems to be the best explanation. Yeah, I mean they are just five, and, and they did get swept by Maryland last week, which. You, I was gonna, you know, I'm gonna stick up for the Turks. That's a but, badge uh, of honor for them, Jim. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, with the red, I'm gonna try to pull up. Also, we do like Nebraska's talent. Then, so they, and they were red hot before. They had that one bad weekend against the uh, against the against the mighty Turks. But uh, I mean, maybe 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 if they had swept Minnesota, not get shut out in that game, they lost. But uh, you know, get shut out at home. But um, but you that that is a league. That's a league. That's a league that's deep. That's a league like you're, that's what we're talking about here. The rest of the leagues yeah. are so top heavy. That's a league that's deep, and we've got Illinois. We're 12 now in our rankings. Iowa, Maryland. So we do have three teams ranked. Um, it feels like Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana, all have claims to fame. Uh, Michigan State. Who, who did Michigan State have a big series when they swept the Oregon? I guess that's swept the Oregon. Not exactly as big a series win as I thought it was. But at the time, it sure seemed big. Um, I feel like Ohio State, I know, was a team that was on my kind of internal radar. I know that part of their Big Ten record is a little fattened up where they've already played Rutgers and they've played Penn State, two of the bottom feeders in the league. Um, yeah, their, their schedule's really backloaded. So we'll, it is. Nope. They've, they've got to go to Nebraska still. They've got Maryland still. They've got Illinois still. And they've got to go to Indiana. So, you know, Ohio State has a pretty gaudy record. Um, not the best RPI in that league, um, but that league's overall the teams in that league have pretty robust RPIs, guys. I mean, Illinois, Nebraska, all these uh, Iowa, a lot of these teams are really high in the RPI. And uh, Mike, it sounds like I mean, uh, you know, Hudson uh, Belinsky was up at Iowa this weekend. Um, it sounds like Iowa's legit. They go on the road and win a series at, at Maryland. Um, that was about as uh, as impressive a series win as uh, on the road that any team in the top twenty five had this week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, and the thing about it is they got they got hit in the mouth in the first game, losing losing ten to one, and you know that was after losing to uh, Wisconsin Milwaukee earlier in the week, who we talked a, a little bit about in our in our meeting this morning. Mighty Milwaukee. A, yeah, they've had a nice year, but. Um, yeah, to, to come back the next two days and, and to, to get the pitching uh, pitching outings that I got, I mean, um, holding Maryland to one run each of those two games, I mean, they're a team that's certainly legit, a team that, that's surging right now, and, you know, they're setting all kind of program records with, with the kind of season that they're having so far and, and being in our, in our top 25, so I think, I think they're certainly legit. I, I think they're certainly a, a threat in that conference, and you know, I'm sure. I'm sure if you asked uh, Maryland and asked the Terrapins, they would agree. I'll tell you. You mentioned. Uh, I'm going to go way off the board here. You mentioned Wisconsin, Milwaukee. That is a fascinating team to me. Uh, just because this is a team that it sounds like is extremely offensive, and I mean that in a positive way. Obviously, not uh, like I'm offended by Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Um, they really score a lot of runs, guys. And what was the stat that? Uh, that um, Hudson had in our meeting that they've 
got something. They have some crazy amount of their eleven losses. The that, the majority of them are by one run. Uh, this I mean, is, it's like eight one run losses or something like that. Something like I think like eight out of eleven of their losses, I think, are one run. I think that was it. You know, and they they swept the series at Missouri. This is one of the very few teams that is above five hundred uh, comfortably in SEC play. Yeah, they had a four game losing streak at Wright State and Oakland, and all four of those were one run losses. Um, mm-hmm. the, they're talking about uh, Wisconsin Milwaukee here, and they lost the series this weekend uh, at home to U- in Illinois Chicago. So it's not exactly a a regional resume. But it's fat. It's just fascinating to have that Wisconsin Milwaukee team. With that's that is the one series of the year I can't. There are two series I can't figure out all year. Wisconsin Milwaukee sweeping Missouri as well as Missouri's playing. Especially when you look at Missouri's pitching. They've got power arms. They've got off speed. Because McLean's like a touch and feel guy. Hauk has got power. They've got they, they come at you with a lot of different arms. And Milwaukee just kind of you know uh, took it to them all weekend. Uh, obviously, it was early, and then that Arkansas State uh, Louisville series is the other one. Louisville's lost one series all year, and it's to fourteen and twenty Arkansas State, which I just can't believe. Yeah, I, ball, kinda, I guess is the hashtag, right? Yeah, I, I kind of um, kind of asked you know when the Louisville people here is kind of asking you know my wife, you know, what was the deal with that series, and you just kind of you know like as well as just one of those everything everything that could go wrong did. It just one of the had a bad weekend and. Arkansas State played with a lot more energy than they did, and they just they just got beat. That is uh, that that is baseball, I suppose, is the way that you're supposed to just look at that one. It's a it's an unusual uh, the unusual can happen, guys. Yeah, so. the tra- was a crazy travel and weather situation and all this all that deal in there. That's it right. Is- that was one of those series that got played at Lake Point down in Georgia. Uh, they did not exactly. Play that, yeah. that, that they moved that series. So every team it seems like, it seems like has had that, and so to this point, I feel like we have. Fewer definitives in the average uh, in the season uh, to this point than we usually do, guys. So um, I, I think that's why one of the reasons why we have some of these unexpected uh, teams in the back of the top 25. We've had a lot of movement in the top 25 this year. I expect that to be the case and to continue. Um, what, what's what's there to look forward to this week, guys? Is there anything uh, on your radar, Jim or uh, Mike? Games that you'll be going to soon, and also. Uh, uh, what's what's online? Uh, what's coming at baseballamerica.com and three strikes? What can our listeners look forward to online this week? Well, I'll be heading up to uh, DC to catch, catch the Terps uh, against Fullerton. Um, could, can't miss a chance to see the Titans when they uh, come east, even though they're you know, if they're not having the year we expected. I still uh, still can't pass on that. And um, Jim, just remind me, I got to get you some uh, issues for those guys to sign. We won cover of the month for February in the company. Exactly. And when's our pizza? party but uh <laughs> i gotta schedule that pizza um, party you're right so yeah so I'll, I'll be up there and um yeah for three strikes i've i'll have a piece on uh, carson cross from yukon and hoping to catch up with jj schwartz from uh, florida and i think michael have something on some of the, uh, the louisville guys yeah well kyle funkhauser was outstanding on friday night um and he know, pitched really... well as well what's that and he pitched well too i mean <laughs> he, I, he was yeah. good, but he was a good interview was he not yeah, yeah, no, he was, he was, and you know, it was, uh, for me, it was, it was an eye-opening performance. I mean, he he only walked one guy, which walks has been a knock on him in the past. And I asked asked him about it afterward, and he said he just thought more than anything it was just a mental lapse. He got the first out in the inning, and then just kind of took a a breather for a second and walked the guy, and he was mad at himself after that for doing it. But 
he was the last two pitches he threw in the game were 97 miles per hour. He touched he touched 98 at one point earlier in the game on the corner. Um, he was commanding the ball down the both sides of the plate. The, his slider, no one could touch it. Um, started mixing in his curve later on. He was commanding his two seamer. Was kind of using it as a changeup. It was about 88, 89, and uh, he was getting hitters to to roll over on it and then swing through it. So he was he, he was filthy, and uh, you know he brought the funk all night long. And uh, you know him and him and his catcher Will Smith, you know, just getting jiggy with it, and it was just it was just a sight to behold. So I'll, I'll be writing about that for three strikes, and then uh, please you use know, every single weekend, one of those bad puns that you just used in three strikes, please. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do what I can. Um, but yeah, but as far as this weekend, uh, there's not a lot going on in this area um, that I'm that I'm all that excited about, but. Um, I think uh, a couple series that, I, that I've circled to, to keep an eye on, Vanderbilt at South Carolina. I think this is do or die for South Carolina at this point. Um, I think they need to do something this weekend, and obviously playing Vanderbilt is going to be a tough test for them. So, you know, interested to see how they respond to that challenge. Um, they didn't Miami at well. Virginia. They, were, they didn't respond well this weekend, Virginia's Mike. They, they got pounded. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt you, but both South Carolina just yeah. got – they got annihilated by Florida. I mean, I'm, I, I cannot remember – a South Carolina team being that non-competitive. I just was reading on Twitter before we got on here. Uh, I guess Chad Holbrook had some other was comments today on his coaches show or what, but he just he took it on himself and uh, you know that's what co- coaches are supposed to do. They're the leaders, but he doesn't have to take it on himself. All the fans in that fan base have already put it on him. So yeah, it's yeah. it's not fun times for uh, for that program, and that is. It's getting ugly over there. I mean, that that, that uh, I don't know if that if that season can be salvaged for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it might be it might be too late for them. Just like Virginia, you know, it might be it might be too late for them at, at this point. Uh, you know, I, I think I think they need to, they need to really upset Vanderbilt this weekend to you know for RPI purposes and for their own psyche at this point. I mean, they're I mean, even I mean, Will Crow and Jack Weincooper, two guys that you know you think you could lean on, and just like Virginia, where you know we have Kirby and Jones and what else struggling a bit. I mean, Will Crow's gotten destroyed the past couple outings. Yeah, so. he's been the he's been the rock for them, and instead the last two weeks he's just kind of he just has not he hasn't had it, just hasn't hasn't he's, been there for him at all. <laughs> yeah, he has been. That's kind of a setup. Uh, e too easy. It's a layup for for Mike Lanana. So. Uh, as usual, your Vine game was strong. I guess uh, I still don't know how to use. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to. Periscope does not archive, does it, guys? Uh, I. You can save it to your phone. You can save it to your camera roll, but I don't, beyond that, it doesn't archive on the on the app itself. Yeah, so I, I, I apologize for missing your Kyle Funkhauser uh, uh, Periscope interview, but um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to more of that. Uh, I'm looking forward to you trying that this weekend, Jim. With uh, you need to just have an interview with John Sheff, the coach at uh, at Maryland, just uh, you know about your your Terp fandom because I'm sure that it was not. I'm sure that was never the case in basketball, but your Terp baseball fandom is strong. You, they won you over last year. I'm thinking of it because they, they they clearly won you over last year and dazzled you in Columbia by winning that regional. And, exactly. Uh, so now we, we, I, know, I think he's he's aware when I talked to him in for our uh, earlier this year. I, I think he's he knows I'm in their corner. So. <laughs> I like it. I like that you. I like that you are, and uh, uh, it's just it's it's funny. I never would have pegged you as a, for for being in the Maryland camp 
after uh, after all their years in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, but like you said, Mike, there's not a lot going on this weekend, so I'm glad that Jimmer's going up to uh, – not, not in our neck of the woods. So I'm glad that Jimmer's going up to uh, the D.C. area. Uh, that'll be a good series. I definitely want to see a periscoped video of – uh, we need to email Thomas Eshelman and Justin Garza and remind them, remind them to bring their, uh, you know, bring the wigs and bring the fake mustache uh, for a periscope uh, for an interview, a periscope interview this week. But uh, uh, we got if, if you aren't aware of what we're talking about, you've got to be following Mike on Twitter at, at Mlanana. If you want to be uh, informed about college baseball, you got to follow Mike. You got to follow Jim Shoner at Jim Shoner BA. Uh, if you want bad puns, you have to follow Mike as well. But uh, or or good puns. I think they're great, Zon. I think they're all great. <laughs> uh, when you and Turner Walston over at UNC get into some of the deep cuts, that's where the creativity really starts coming out. I'm I'm very impressed when when you guys go ten and twelve uh, tweets deep with puns. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you guys are reaching deep, so it's uh, there, there's a lot there's a lot of depth there. You guys are like uh, you're like Texas A and M. You're the Texas A and M of punsters, so. <laughs> I'm impressed, but uh, impressed with the Aggies, impressed with your, the, the tweet and Vine game, and I hope you were impressed with the podcast, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and, of course, thanks to Louisville Slugger for sponsoring our college baseball content. Please check them out on Instagram at Slugger Nation or on Twitter at Slugger Nation. So for Jim and for Mike, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.